Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And today we're here to do a special Halloween episode. And I'm joined by my co-host, editor at the upcoming Input Magazine, comedian, and host of the podcast Tomorrow and the Lost Episode. Ryan Houlihan. Hello. Hi, Ryan. And uh, and, uh, this is also an episode of the Lost Episode. And I am here with my special (laughs) co-host. (laughs) <laughs> Ian Carlos Crawford. Wow. Oh my God. We've done it. We've done it. <laughs> We've created the perfect hybrid. It's unstoppable. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I pitched Ryan doing this because I was on his um, podcast, the last episode. We did a Buffy one together. And Ryan is so goddamn good at improving especially Buffy dialogue that I was like, why don't we do a Halloween episode? That's like kind of like that. Do you want to tell everyone about it? Yeah. So uh, I, you pitched this to me and I was like, I will say yes to anything you asked me to do because I love you in this podcast. Um, (laughs) And I, I thought, you know, I'm good at this. We'll get some fun people to do it. We'll just do some slim slam, Jim jam. We'll, we'll come up with something. Well, whatever it is, fly by see your pants, it's improv baby. Yes. And, <laughs> and then we had a great idea. We had a great idea, which was let's find some horror movies that like are classics of all different horror genres, like sub genres and throw Buffy into the mix in those and see how she would deal with those big bads as a big bad of the week. But um, come to find out all of the people we asked to do this are way more talented than both of us <laughs> and which is a gift but also this was a very humbling experience <laughs> ryan i thought you were great for Thank the record you. i thought you, you were great but, but we have to admit that all, all of our guests really brought it i, I have to say yeah. this is a, a highlight reel for y'all this is a real halloween treat a, a trick no a treat indeed <laughs> <laughs> yeah so ryan uh helped pick out ryan kind of was like why don't we do these horror movies we gave the guests a list but some of them picked uh off the list and went with their own movie that they wanted to yeah, do which was we, totally we cool said, listen like we don't want everyone to pick i know what you did last summer scream and then also um halloween like that would have been very right. similar movies so i was like let's tr- let's just pick a genre like a ghost a monster a killer and then you know, give people options and hopefully they'll pick something that we've seen. And it, it happened to work out. I don't recommend it as a method, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it just, it just happened to work out. (laughs) And then you thankfully did the heavy lifting of all the scheduling and organizing. And so what came together is uh, we had to record these on various days. So the audio I will, uh, I'm attempting to make all of this sound as smooth and as beautiful as possible, but the audio is done um, on separate days with each of our beautiful guests. And they're in a variety of locations around the world with a variety of different technical setups, which each took 45 minutes to figure out. (laughs) And so what we have finally for you, we have birthed after a long gestation is the ultimate Buffy hybrid crossover monster baby that has come to terrorize your ears and i'm so excited for you guys to hear it (laughs) i'm i'm pretty damn proud of what we got i think we did pretty good yeah honestly of of the ways you could throw buffy into a horror movie i i I feel like people picked things that would be actual challenges for her for her for the most part and we could have some fun with because there is a version of this where buffy just like punches every monster in the face and it's over in 30 (laughs) seconds wasn't it ryan wasn't it you that tweeted i think it was about game of thrones like 
you know, blah, 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 like, but say what you will, but Buffy would have finished this in 22 episodes. (laughs) Buffy would have defeated the Night King in a cool 22 episodes after only finding out what, who he was and where he was with like five episodes to go. (laughs) (laughs) And also would have done a bunch of other monsters in the meantime. (laughs) Buffy is a fascinating character and in her own universe, she's not overpowered, but you start throwing her into some other universes and it's like, I don't know that we would have had, you know. Right. I, I, the charmed girls really were in over their head. <laughs> <laughs> they were like consistently in over their head. <laughs> yeah. Buffy would have just been like, get the book, read the book. Willow, either if you can't kill it, I will. You know, yeah. like Giles would have everything bookmarked and cross-referenced already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, without further ado, here is our Halloween special. Yay. Woo! keep your arms and legs inside the moving vehicle at all times you will encounter monsters demons ghosts and various murderers i we only ask that you don't interact with them as this is a show experience now have a good time and we will see you soon we are joined by a writer and editor on the internet currently working at eater.com who is one of my favorite culture writers madeline davies hi madeline hello hello (laughs) so happy to be here (laughs) So what movie have you selected for our Halloween Spectacular? I selected uh, Cabin in the Woods, directed by a guy you guys might be familiar with, Mr. Jock Whedon. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what season would you have it take place in of Buffy? So some explanation is needed. And that I felt like the obvious answer was season four because of the lab and all of that. Right. Also, I think that like the secondary and tertiary characters are way better in season three. So I've decided it's going to be a senior year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. And honestly, the initiative was like in town. So like, why not? They we we yeah. caught we got them early. <laughs> exactly. I just was like, it's just too obvious. And like, I don't know. I want to see. I'm not Cordelia there. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I like that that's been the theme of most of these segments. Yeah, everybody just wants to work with Cordelia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, what's your pitch then? Um, so essentially, uh, I have made this probably overly complicated <laughs> for you guys, just for myself, um, where I think uh, because season three is kind of the year where Buffy has to sort of uh, come to terms with her life as a slayer versus her life as a student. Um, I feel like Buffy uh, is maybe convinced to go on the senior camping trip as kind of another way to like experience normal high school. Um, So in addition to the Scoobies, we also have people like Jonathan there. We have Larry, the one-time bully turned proud gay man. (laughs) Uh, Harmony, Percy, uh, Whereas back in Sunnydale, the mayor and Trick is maybe working with the initiative to kind of uh, make these sacrifices that the mayor will need for the Ascension. Love. Oh, I, love this. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then figure zombies attack, dividing the senior class into unexpected groups. Um, and because like so much of... Uh, the whole thing about cabin in the woods is that like they need to sacrifice these very particular archetypes. Um, so I was thinking maybe Buffy ends up in a cabin, uh, Buffy being the warrior, um, mm-hmm. and cabin with harmony. Cause I feel like she's like the whore. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan is like the intellectual. 
Larry, I thought would probably be the virgin just because he's like newly out that I don't know yeah. if like hit the scene yet. Yeah, what's the yeah. downtown Sunnydale gay scene like? It can't be great. <laughs> yeah. The bronze, like what else? You know. Yeah, the yeah. bronze on a Tuesday night when they do drag queen bingo between six and seven. <laughs> yeah, where they were like, yeah, it's like a ten percent dance or whatever. <laughs> um, and then also like Xander being the fool. Um, and then maybe in a different cabin, the rest are also fighting off their own evil evils. Yeah, they got to keep love, them occupied. I feel like so they're like just gonna I love, throw whatever. I love the I, I love the idea of like that's the the a plot is this cabin, but then keep we keep going to like the cabin where like Willow and Cordelia are fighting. You know, one yeah. of the other monsters that came out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just kind of, I don't know. No, uh, sorry. I find Willow. I can think Willow can be kind of boring a little bit. Uh, <laughs> look, it's not her. <laughs> I. <laughs> very um insipid at times and i think it's because allison hannigan like goes into this baby voice a lot um there's also the thing of like she's wildly underpowered and then wildly overpowered so they don't always know what to do with her yeah exactly um but i don't know i also but i've always found like her scenes with like percy like the cool mean jock who she does homework for i always like find those very funny Mm -hmm. all right so Okay, so we where are we opening? What's the cold open? Is it them all getting on the bus for camp? Um, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So wait, would senior camp is that before they started or like while they're I mean, like senior trip? So maybe it's like um, uh, let's call it uh, Labor Day weekend. Okay. Yeah, every, right. schools always find excuses for seniors to go on trips. Like when we went to Disney World, it was like to sing a song one time as a, yeah. like whatever. And I feel like we could have the excuse of like, this is a biology trip. We're collecting leaves or whatever. <laughs> well, also, sorry, I have to strike that because Buffy is like just getting back from L.A. So maybe this is like Thanksgiving break. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll buy it. A weekend after Thanksgiving, they're doing a bio trip because the leaves are changing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. We have yeah. to do some team building ropes courses or something. Yeah. I feel like there would be a very nice one-off teacher who, like, we've never seen before, but is very nice and gets murdered very early on in the episode. Oh, yeah. Just like a, shovel, a rusty shovel through the head. <laughs> yeah. I feel like B- Buffy's not thrilled to be outside all weekend, and Willow is, like, sticking to her side. She's got her computer and some books. And then they're like, all right, well, the plan is we'll just, like, you know, you'll we'll we'll get all you do all the work, I'll do all the heavy lifting, like rope stuff, and we'll just knock this weekend out. And then, of course, a teacher comes up and does the roll call of who will be on what which bus going to which cabin, and they're split up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel like, but also Cordelia would be just as annoyed to be there. I feel like for some reason, I mean, there's no reason why Cordelia would be on the trip, but like she has to be on the trip because duh. Yeah. Uh, and Cordelia and Buffy kind of like maybe a little bit bond over the fact that they both. 100% do not want to be there. Yeah, like what if are- Cordelia brought a bunch of rations and expensive camping equipment and she wants to use it and Buffy's like, she's way more than she needs and Buffy's like going to glom onto that and be like, I'll take these boots or whatever. Yeah, she has like a yurt. <laughs> <laughs> so so would Buffy and her, Buffy Harmony and Xander in their cabin, would they fight, what is it, the Bruckners? They would fight those zombies or would you have it be a different evil? Um, I think I really like those like hillbilly zombies. Okay. Um, so I was thinking it would be sort of this a similar, if not the same, uh, group. Would you have it be Xander or Harmony that calls calls them accidentally? 
Oh, Harmony. <laughs> yes. And I love the idea of like Buffy starts taking them out real quick. Like she's just not wasting any time. But so we get the behind the scenes of the like lab technicians being like, all right, we'll step this up. And they just start throwing bigger and bigger monsters at her. So eventually her cabin has like sea monsters, dragons, like all this stuff coming at it. And the other cabin is just dealing with like a single vampire or something. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we keep cutting to willow and cordelia and like i'm trying to think of other high schoolers that we saw maybe no not amy she would have been no she wouldn't be a rat yet so sure amy they're all just like screaming because there's one vampire in their cabin and they're trying to overpower it yeah and like only like only willow and cordelia kind of know what's going on yeah it's funny <laughs> they have to team up uh and i also think this would be a really good way for us to at the end just like bring in a shit ton of buffy demons that we had already seen and maybe we're going to see uh that are like in their like captivity or whatever oh yeah like maybe in the basement when they're looking through the objects like harmony because it's harmony so she wouldn't remember even if she saw the demon she wouldn't remember it because it's harmony but i feel like we could have like a bunch of like like Easter eggs of like different things that were like mm-hmm. maybe the the glove of Minigon and like stuff like that. And because like, we're early, basement. we're early in season three. Faith is like when we cut away to the other rituals that are failing. One of them is like Faith accidentally like or purposefully like stopping a ritual, and we've got like other like the Watchers are in England stopping a ritual, and so we can cut to like like people who we know are like around, like Drusilla and Spike stop a ritual <laughs> in like South America. <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, and i feel like so buffy would buffy would eventually stop this i feel like buffy would send xander harmony wait who's in the cat xander harmony and jonathan and larry yeah yeah i feel like she would send them out of the cabin because she knew this was like easy for her to defeat all these monsters and one of them would have to like accidentally find that entrance that they find in cabin in the woods to like the science lab underground Oh, I, f- sure. I feel like to make it more dangerous, they would be they would go in there without Buffy while she's fighting all the monsters. That way it's like, oh, well, these characters literally couldn't fight these monsters. They get in the and I feel like it would be more almost like Xander and Harmony's show at that point, because it'd be funny seeing them like slip slide through all of this. Also, just like the fact that Joss is apparently like, sorry, I'm you can't see, but I'm rolling my eyes heavily. Um, like relates to Xander the most. Like he yeah. needs to have like hero moments. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, like the nerd who fucks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you get it. <laughs> and so I feel like they would get down there. It would I feel like it would perfectly play out that the four of them would get stuck in whatever that little control center is that um the two main characters get stuck in in cabin in the woods and they're just like hitting all the buttons and i feel like every single elevator door that opens it would be a demon we had seen on buffy oh i like that yeah because i'll have you all know i remember writing a review of this movie in my dead journal back in the day and that was like my one when the door started opening i kept hoping that we would see like just like one cameo of like a Buffy villain that like they don't mention, but like the gentleman, the gentleman come floating out of one of those doors. How cool would that have been? Yeah. And so, I, yes. I'm thinking like also we, we, we've got all these like, um, 
we've got all say these like monsters that we've seen or like or that we're going to see or and then I think we should just have some like little cameo monsters so I would love if like so we've got all these like things that we've seen things we're gonna see and then I would love to just see like other actors from the show because we've just got the sheer army of things so like if we could get jenny calendar in some like vampire makeup and not mention like <laughs> that it's the same actress just to like really get really meta and eventually buffy's just exhausted but she's like still going and um at one point like we just get some like quips from her where she's just like you know one girl in all the world one girl just the one okay great <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i feel like she so she would finish off her cabin she would immediately want to go check on Willow. Cordelia's also there, but I feel like she would get them to come with her because they're scared. She stakes the vampire that's in their cabin. She tells everyone else to wait there, but Willow and Cordelia go with Buffy. Buffy finds that elevator, goes down. Her doors open. And okay, so <laughs> I feel like her doors would open and it'd be like the gentleman stabbing, maybe stabbing Jenny Calendar in her her vampire makeup. And Buffy, so Buffy pushes uh, Cordelia and Willow into that little area and she has to fight like every demon ever. <laughs> and I just feel like it would be like a really cool, it would be like a very big budget, not not the actual Buffy budget action scene of like her fighting all these monsters. Yeah. And then I think the director steps out and we're like, oh my God, it's just a single person in a suit. And they like, they spin around to explain everything. And in instead of like what we, uh, like, like instead of, um, we got Sigourney Weaver in the movie, obviously amazing. I think when the director turns around, it should be uh, Christy Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, guess what? I'm also a active Republican on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, she's like, that's that's the thing. The mayor is a Republican. That's what he's running in the office <laughs> for the office. And he wants to ascend. And she's like, listen, you know, I'm a never Trumper Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a never mayor Republican. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like, so my tie in, which is now I'm riffing from my own dead journal post from however long ago when the movie came out, I feel like the God, the ritual for the God, they'd be trying to, so they would defeat Christy Swanson because of course Buffy would because Sam Michelle Geller is the superior one. Yeah. I think real quick right. too, like we would get a ton of music and the camera pinning up and her being like, let's do this bitch. And Buffy just like pushes her or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then like her um, like signature, like leather yellow jacket off. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end, how would they, would they, the ritual clearly can't it can't end the way the movie ends with the ritual actually happening. So how would they get around that? I was going to say like the ritual is for the mayor to ascend, like the mayor's ascension to start. And believe me, I I've caught that in my own head. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so I was going to say that they think they stop it. So wait, this is my this is my fan fiction moment that I've thought of in my head. Um, I think that they they defeat Christy Swanson. And it's kind of like that moment where like, you know, they're all quipping and they're all like, oh, we did save it. And they're like, OK, they hear they feel an earthquake rumble, but then nothing happens. But then we cut to a scene of like a woman like it's uh, like looks like a comet and it just hits. And that's that was the rumble, a comet hitting the ground. Sure. And we see this beautiful blonde <gasps> in a red dress ah! coming up. And like fixing her outfit and being like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> and then like, that's the end because we wouldn't see her for another, you know, season and a half. Ooh, <laughs> I, so 
Yeah. <laughs> Glory pops her head up and she says like, um, and she looks around and she goes, this is their planet. Oh, this apocalypse will be easy or whatever. And like walks away. Yeah. You know, like Julianne Moore gets out of there. She's. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel like that would be a really good. Cause I, when I watched the movie, I remembered thinking, Oh, it would have been cool. Like, because you know, Joss uses a lot of the same people. A lot of the actors in cabin in the woods are actors from Buffy. I kept thinking it would have been cool if the God had been played by Claire Kramer. Like they didn't need to say it was glory, but like have whatever God that Rose be played by her. So that, yeah, there I'm mixing, I'm mixing the two here. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think if we tying all this in, we also have to have a moment. It, we're back at the lab where they're releasing all this stuff. Um, Maggie Walsh is like, all right, plan B. I get a job as a professor. <laughs> Here's my thought too. Is like, it like, cuts to like the mayor being like, well, that didn't work. And, you know, like storming out of his office or whatever. Then it pulls back even more to like a security cam version of his office. And Maggie Walsh is watching (gasps) someone and they're like, professor Walsh, here is your newest recruit. And in walks a a fresh faced Riley. Oh, I I also love that this episode is shaping up to be like, Totally, obviously, if it had happened in canon, nobody would know what was going on. But uh, <laughs> if you had watched it with fresh eyes at the time, like if we inserted it into the season schedule on the WB, it would be like Westworld, where we're all like, I don't know what's happening, but it's so compelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and really, like, Riley immediately trips and falls into a bear trap. Things <laughs> <laughs> don't always work out that way. <laughs> Uh, okay so wait so i think it should be buffy defeats the monster she defeats christy swanson there's a rumbling we see the comet hit the ground we don't go back to that comet till after because i really like your idea of the mayor's like oh well that didn't work maybe they think that earthquake was supposed to be something but it was nothing but actually it was a comet hitting the mayor's like that didn't work we pan away we see maggie walsh monitoring it riley comes in and then it's like we fade out at the end. We see the gang, the Scooby gangs all like back together. They're getting back on their bus. Maybe Giles has come with more school buses to save them all and transport them. Cause no one has a cell phone except for Cordelia. Uh, and then that's when we see like the very like end of the episode is like, then we see the woman in the red dress, like fixing her outfit being like, ugh. and that's like the end. I think that would be like such a cool end, but you are right, Ryan, anyone watching this in like, within the season would be like what the fuck is this but you know what fuck them fuck them they, 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 we're not time traveling here good <laughs> the payoff would be worth it yeah also feel like buffy would have like some very good like camping puns where it would just be like know, i'm trying to think of like what a good thing she picks up a, like. um, a box that's labeled tent and she throws it at a monster and yells i'm pitching a tent <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like yeah i sunk the stake in you know <laughs> uh yeah I, okay i think like yeah there would be like a couple of maybe like leftover monsters from that had like escaped and buffy but buffy quickly like giles gets all the students on the bus buffy quickly slays them and yeah we then just we have get, a punning montage like where she has to chase them all down and there's like a fire demon that she pours water on and she's like when i said campfire i didn't mean this and then she goes to like the next <laughs> one it just keeps going and going with fun <laughs> <laughs> or just like, and like where her ending is like getting on the bus and being like, I hate camping. They get on the bus, everybody's sitting, everybody's, cr- people are crying, they're covered in dirt, they're like all ready to go home. And um, the teacher sits down and Buffy goes, 
so did we pass? <laughs> the, the teacher's like, honestly, I can't give you any leeway. You failed this one. <laughs> She's just like, fuck. <laughs> All right. I love this episode. Um, Thank you for doing this, Madeline. <laughs> thank you guys for letting me like brainstorm about my favorite thing. <laughs> and right now we're here with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina writer. Josh Conkle. Hi, Josh. Hi. Thanks for Hi. having me. It's so fun to be here. Uh, Ryan, would you like to talk about what we'll be doing with Josh? Yes. So for the first movie we're diving into, uh, what have you selected? I have selected Alien. Ooh. Ooh. A classic. And one of my favorites, yeah. Honestly, a film that probably led to the genesis of Buffy as a character. Probably, yeah. That's a good call. Josh did write one of the, what, the Resurrection, I think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he wrote the one where she play, comes back from the dead and plays basketball. <laughs> <laughs> What's your pitch for how an alien gets into the Buffy universe? Okay, so first of all, sci-fi is very off-brand for Buffy. They never really dealt with spaceships or aliens. So my big pitch would be to um, take it out of space. And so how I would do that basically is this would be like a season six episode and Xander's construction company would be digging a foundation when they cause a cave in and they discover this like uh, underground giant cave under Sunnydale and there's an, an old spaceship in there. So basically I'm kind of combining the thing with alien. And so, or, or you would have like the eggs with the level of um, fog and Xander would get the face hugger and be taken back to Buffy's house. And so, um, that's where you would kind of have the episode play out. And then, you know, they would have to go back down there, of course, to like bite the monster. And so you get your dark, twisty crevices and stuff. You could also just take out the spaceship entirely and make the alien a demon. So you still get the eggs and the face hugger and all that, but it's, there's no spaceship. So that would be, that's my quick pitch. I actually love that, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, aliens aren't really on brand for Buffy, and I think it would be a mistake to try to shoehorn them in. But I still wanted to take all the good things of Alien and try to make it work in the world of Buffy. I think we definitely need to, it needs to stay an Alien, but the idea that Xander gets the chestburster put in him is the most beautiful chef kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think Willow could blast it back into another dimension with magic at the end or something like that. Oh, yeah. I would be very so it's kind of like um the season five episode when they have that like it's kind of an alien but it's just like an ancient demon that glory not glory but ben actually calls down to earth and it's like the what is it queller demon i think and it looks like a giant roach yeah, yeah that's like one of my favorite episodes ever that demon is really scary let's start and i will open with my idea okay <laughs> so <laughs> i guess i guess uh what the first scene would be xander at the construction site kind of like the thanksgiving episode Yes. yes. So Xander's at the construction site. He's, you know, frustrated at the end of the day. It's been like, he's sweaty. He's got paperwork. He sends some of the guys home. He's like, nah, have at it. I'll wrap up here. He's being a good guy. Good guy, Xander. Um, and <laughs> the nerds are 
uh, like within the construction site peeking around things and they're like this guy always hangs out with the slayer we have to get him so they <laughs> quickly disrobe their clothes and they're all dressed as ripley from the movie alien and they put down a dvd of the movie alien and then they start casting a spell to summon the alien from the movie alien out of the dvd that's very <laughs> meta <laughs> and that so kind what- of works yeah, so would we have it still be that it's like the spaceship is buried underneath or would it just be like some eggs or... I, I still maintain that you just get rid of the spaceship and you use the eggs and the alien in dark tunnels and you don't call the alien an alien. You just let the viewer decide what it is. Because look, I had a career in advertising for 10 years and for me, sci-fi, spaceships, and aliens is like really off-brand for Buffy. That's just, I'm just maintaining that. <laughs> it's my line in the sand. All right. Well, we'll leave I, it ambiguous, but they summon up an alien monster and, uh, and it, 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 it gets to work. The eggs are there. We've got, it, it runs off into the night and the eggs start hatching and they're just like, he, 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 and they run away. And Andrew starts, you know, yelling, we should have kept one. They're so cute. <laughs> God, I, I feel like the three of them would get murdered instantly if it were really them versus one of those aliens. What would be cool is if you borrowed some from aliens when Buffy goes back, you know, down into the tunnels or whatever, and then there's like the nest of victims that are still alive, you know, like that that could be really cool. Like the nerds could be in there even. Yeah. Oh, so then they, they yeah, they try to get away. Andrew tries to keep one because he thinks that they're cute and it obviously is going to capture them and and you know, like finish, put them where like, it's like those like host things are floating. But in the meantime, totally. the alien little guys face huggers skitters off after Xander and into like a trailer. And Xander's like, what's that? <laughs> yeah. Xander definitely has to be the one who gets the face hugger first. I don't know why I feel that very strongly in my spirit and soul. <laughs> so the face hugger gets on Xander and it starts like whatever. And Xander starts yelling and I, what is he he's like this is the weirdest um what what does he think it is like a stingray he's like i'm being steve Irwin. <laughs> i i think he would think it was the thing from bad eggs yeah 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 they kind of looked like that i don't even remember what those were called but those little like i mean they basically were, yeah <laughs> yeah so he passes out behind the desk and then who is going to find his body to bring it back to the gang I think Anya, like he's late for something and she's coming to yell at him and then she finds him and takes him to Buffy. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. she says, your face, your beautiful, stupid face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think in the world of Sunnydale in this show, I think Xander would just assume that it's a, a monster or uh, a demon or something like that. No, I, I am. <laughs> Ryan's so much better at this than I am. I was just going to say, yeah. And so they all have like a Scooby meeting in the living room, but how do they get it off his face? I think they are having a meeting talking about how to get it off its face. And, you know, Dawn tries poking it and Buffy tries to hit it. And we like go on and on. And then eventually they all turn away to like look at their books and it just like comes off because it's done like impregnating him. Yeah, just like that's basically how it rolls out in the movie. I think we could do that too. We have to save Xander's life, you know, yeah. it's only, but um, so it can't necessarily burst through the way that does in the movie. Uh, unless it can, unless we resurrect Xander somehow. Um, yeah. As as a kid, so 
I often think about this when when Ryan and I did this for his podcast, the Lost episode. Um, I, as a kid, I would always do like, oh, like if I was playing with my X Men toys and I like killed some of the characters, I would always do like, oh, they you they found a device or did magic to like just erase what happened, so it never happened, so like everyone could die. <laughs> yeah, basically, that was like my favorite plot to do as a kid when I played with my toys. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, yeah, I say Xander can't die because then it would. It would be too sad, right? Because they, it's like their best friend. So they would all be like too sad. And then the episode would be like, you'd kind of be like, oh, everything's too grim. Not unlike most of season six, but I say, yeah, I say like he gets impregnated, but somehow Willow, maybe like through some research or Anya recognizes it from her, you know, she's been alive for so long. Well, I think what happens is that they don't know. They're all, like, arguing. They're like, you know, what what was that? And Xander's like, it's over. I don't know. And they're like, it can't be nothing. And then Anya, of course, just like idiot savant, is like, um, it laid eggs in you. And it's like, what? And she's like, it laid eggs in you. Listen, anything that hugs you for that long, it's laying eggs in you. I've been a demon, and it's usually sex stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. Also, there's a, probably a way where we can, so- instead of the chest bursting, we can soften it a little bit and save his life by, like, it could come, he could barf it up or something like yeah. that. Oh, you yeah. know, that would, that could be really cool. And it goes skittering away. Yeah, because that would still be, like, kind of creepy. And that would fit Buffy, I think. Yeah. By the way, I love season six. I know people hate on it, but it's one of my favorites. Oh, God. I mean, it's the perfect <laughs> season. If it. you're going to unleash an, an alien into the Buffy universe, it's the perfect season to do it. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. I just love that like Buffy has to work at a fast food restaurant and like she has to drop out of school and I like the the adult elements of it where the the big bad is kind of like adulthood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yes, yes. I I do like I always say Buffy. Like the seasons are like all my children. I love them all, but just I do play favorites. And going through it on my podcast, like I'm almost like, well, I feel the same thing about this episode that I felt about the last three. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so Xander barfs it up and then do they figure out what it is? I think they, they, well, they get it off. I don't think it's had enough time to like gestate into a baby yet, but of course Xander's like, get it out of me, get it out of me. So like Buffy is like, well, I'm going to go try to find this thing. So she grabs a weapon and spike and they're going to go hunt down whatever like stingray they think it is like skittered away. And meanwhile, Willow's going to try to get whatever is in Xander out. So they start making like vomity potions to get it out of him. And they're just going to keep making him throw up in new and fantastic ways. Like the exorcist through magic to get it out of him. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I love that idea. Uh, I would also say Tara's there. It's like Tara, Anya, Willow, and Dawn. Yeah, the first thing they try is Ipecac. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also that's very fitting of xander to be the one that has like the funny barf barfing up like alien babies yeah, yeah that's amazing i love it um and yeah so where they would go to what the construction site where they track the i think so i think that that's where like the entrance to this underground layer is yeah and buffy's like where did you find him and anya's like the construction site and buffy's like oh well let's obviously start there and spike is like anything to get punchy punchy and so they like run off <laughs> into the night is it possible that they would find flamethrowers at the construction site the construction site construction workers use flamethrowers yes. ever because yes. you still want those in this world for, they for do. 
I was just yeah. like, oh, it would look so cool. The flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. Did she ever use a flamethrower? Because she should have, if not. The bazooka. The bazooka, but I think that's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's as close. Flamethrower would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> so the other construction site, they see Spike notices a weird entrance, and maybe even Spike recognized, like the way Anya recognized it, but they don't. We don't explicitly say one way or the other. I think Spike would also be like, "That looks familiar. Like I've seen these symbols that are on that doorway before." Yeah, and he's like, he's like, oh, uh, th- these are magical. Like this is Sumerian. I know Sumerian. And Buffy's like, why? How does everyone know Sumerian? <laughs> you know what i tried to write for sabrina like two weeks ago i had to write a spell and i was going to write it in sumerian and so i went to google translate (laughs) it's like this is a dead language that no one knows and i was like tv has lied to me all these years like no one can speak sumerian it's a lost language i'm such a fool (laughs) i wish you had (laughs) yeah so they get down there well so we they find some weapons i do think like Maybe I can't think of something else that's actually on a construction site, but like definitely like more over the top Buffy weapons than normal. Like not just a regular axe and a like stake, but like I don't know, a like nail maybe, gun. Like maybe spike. Yeah, like something more. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, construction-y. And also maybe one of the facehuggers tries to attach to Spike, but then it doesn't because it realizes that he's dead oh, already, yeah. so it can't just stay And ooh, that'd be a really it, it good... hops on his face and it goes to do the thing and then it, it puts its little things in his mouth and then he like makes out with it and it runs away and he's like, I'm not that bad yeah. at <laughs> <laughs> that could be the clue to how they figure out that there's an egg inside of Xander too because like why would it need a living host why not attach to Spike and like oh it must need a living body because it's some sort of parasite which means that you know there's an egg inside of Xander yes. Ooh, yes and so I'll bring back the I mean Willow only did it like twice ever but in the end of season 5 and the beginning of season 6 Willow does use a Jean Grey-ish type where she talks to all of them even though she's just doing it through their mind oh yeah and I would say Willow using that spell at this point, so that way they can relay it to Willow. Oh, look, we just found out like it tried to lay an egg in Spike, and it didn't work. And then Willow's like, oh, now I know what spell to do to get it out of Xander. So she's like, we're going to do an egg-laying but- spell. And Xander's like, egg-laying? <laughs> and he just starts like pooping out eggs everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> I, think he could, I think he could still throw it up, because that's more like silly and something they would have shown. Uh, well, like, I don't think it works. I think, like, we're going to try a variety of spells, and so he starts laying, like, chicken eggs, and they're like, little Xander eggs! And he's like, don't eat those! And then, so they're going to try some other stuff. But we'll we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, Buffy's got a nail gun, Spike put on a hard hat, and he's holding, like, a bunch of, like, uh, I don't know, saws. He's got saws. <laughs> and he's spinning around. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. And they're, they're going down into the tunnel, and in the tunnel, it's like, there's like signs that are like turn back or like construction workers not allowed, no entry, blah, blah, blah. And they go down and they like, they're looking around in the dark and then they turn and where are we? Then I think we see the tail kind of, is it the first movie or second movie, that first entrance where it just kind of comes from the ceiling and then the legs come down and then the arms come down and then the whole thing just is like there. I think that's the first movie. The first one. And it's like the first time we see the alien in the movie because I always yeah. think that's such a good shot. Yeah, and then she's like sort of shocked into stillness for like just a second before she runs off or, you know, flame throws it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, Buffy, like for once is like, and maybe even does like a silly where she says gulp out loud or she's like gulp and like watches it like 
stand up and it's like, you know, way taller than and her. And she goes, that's not a stingray. <laughs> <laughs> and even Spike is like a little taken back and he like tells Buffy they should run. Yeah. But I think, I think in this scenario, there would be more than one. Like maybe then more start to come down. And yeah, I and think she so. Goes, oh no, there's three of them. And then they open their mouths and the little heads come out and, and Spike goes, well, like six. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so then they're what they're running down this like corridor kind of like in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at some point they clearly have to like turn to fight. Yeah. I think, I think they yeah. try to separate the three of them so that they're not like two against three. So they can try to get like a one-on-one battle and they start like physically fighting them and it's, it's going okay. But like, these are super powerful creatures and like, even they are not like, keeping well, could Willow have figured out, could Willow figure, have figured out that um, they're creatures from another dimension, like a hell dimension? And so she opens a gate um, back to that dimension for Buffy to like kick their asses back into yeah. and it closes. And they, but they're, but they're oh, like okay. struggling and they're being pushed into the dimension because like there's too many of them. But then the little head comes out and Buffy grabs one of the saws and chops it off and says like, cat got your tongue or whatever. <laughs> I, I think this would be like a really hard spell and maybe it's like willow and tara are doing it together and it's kind of like one of their like homoerotic spells where they're both like sweaty and like so at this right. point, sapphic they're, magic because they're yeah, opening a and portal like, at a distance but in the background while they're like concentrating and sweating and saying all these serious words xander's just like on a pile of eggs and more chicken eggs are coming out of him and he's like turn it off <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Anya turns to Dawn and says, this is getting a little sexy, isn't it? <laughs> she starts making omelets. So, She's like, I'm not wasting this. <laughs> so the portal opens, but I, I think maybe we learn there's more and they all get sucked into the portal, but there's still one left that Buffy has to like actually well, fight. In yeah, I think they, got, they have two yeah. of them against the portal and it's opening up and they're being slowly sucked in, but they're like fighting, like they've got their claws into the rock and they're like pulling out. So then Buffy like hits a gas line on the wall and pulls the pipe out and then that's her flamethrower. Like she like uses that. Ooh. Oh, God. Yeah, I love that. That is good. <laughs> and she like uses the flame to like, to like position it in space to like push all the, um to like back them into a corner. And Spike is screaming like, hey, not the only flammable thing in the room or whatever. <laughs> you guys, this is such a good episode of Buffy. <laughs> it is. I'm like, I want to watch this episode. <laughs> and I feel like because we're, because it's like, you know, we're doing our stuff, I feel like it would get a little bloody where like, but of course it'd have to be Spike, right? Spike maybe like, the alien spit a little bit of acid on him and like, okay, so the shirt like melts off and he's like, gets a little like red or whatever, but Buffy's still right. mostly unharmed because it's Buffy and she's still like a human and they can't spit acid in her face. But like, we totally. get to Spike, he gets like But all they the, do like, the spit acid clothes. on her hair and she gets like a super cute new haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We don't want to do what Felicity yeah, did where we ruined Buffy with the haircut. True, true. <laughs> so they all get sucked in they all get sucked into the the thing and they kick them all in and then the portal closes they have like a small window and willow and tara like fall back like exhausted and they look around and there's still like tons of eggs and and spike's like uh what does he say uh call it easter sunday because i'm I'm cracking all these eggs and they just start like crushing them together and they actually start having some fun with it. Cause it's like, if, you know, when you like pop, um, 
you know, packing that packing bubbles, you know, the like bubble. Yeah. Wrap. Um, and they're, that's Love what they're, that. it's like sort of satisfying to pop all of the eggs and they're having kind of a good time with it and laughing and like <laughs> taking Polaroids of each other, <laughs> popping eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so they like, and then it's kind of like they're covered almost like in the episode bad eggs when Buffy comes out and she's covered in all the like goo. I think that would be like a really cool visual her and spike coming out of this, like, tunnel covered in all the like gross goo from smashing all the eggs but <laughs> yeah then, but then we would still have to solve the xander egg problem. so they get back to the house and xander is now vomiting up um he's vomiting up caviar and they're like trying they're like we've nearly got it we, we're, we're still circling eggs we're exhausted from doing the other spell like it's really we're, we're doing our best and meanwhile dawn comes in and she found the little face hugger that had gotten away and she's got it on a leash and she's named it and and buffy's like you can't keep it and he, she's like yes i can <laughs> oh no dawn you're the worst <laughs> she's like he's sweet and maybe the nerd <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I feel like the nerds would be watching and be like mad right like they would be like annoyed that their plan didn't work maybe they go to the house and are like we're gonna get these eggs because they want to try to like redo the like alien thing yeah well if we did that i feel like it would be the button on the end of the episode so like the last thing you would see is the the nerds and their lair and they've stolen one of the eggs or something like that to like hint at a yeah we'll episode. come back to it That's for good. now we've got willow and tara i feel like the solution to this to the to the egg thing needs to be clever in some way like it needs to be like willow thought of a like a clever way Oh, you know what? The, you know what I think they do? I think they do magical laparoscopic surgery, and they they like lay him down, and they like go in through like a tiny slit by the belly button, and they're like in there, and Willow's got like you know all black eyes or whatever, and she can see inside him, and she's like, "Oh my god, your liver is in terrible shape." <laughs> I was gonna say kind of like a magical abortion. Yeah. <laughs> so they find the they egg, find the egg, and then do she pull, they it, pull out? it out? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to add something, but now I can't remember. He's like, and Xander's like, while you're in there, could you take out like 10 pounds? (laughs) (laughs) I I still like the just ending it with them. That way it's still like in universe and they could reference it later. But if not, that's okay. Um, Yeah. Thanks for doing this, Josh. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. And right now we're here with YA author of Surrender Your Sons, added on your Goodreads, and Scooby. Adam Sass. Hi, Adam. Hi. Hello. Do you want to tell us what movie you picked? Scream. Yay! Ah! <laughs> the gayest of all of them. <laughs> um, I feel like we we have talked about Scream a few times on the podcast, Adam. Well, um, I mean, we have. I mean, I think we did the Sarah Michelle Gellar film yeah. retrospective or Scream 2. Uh, came up, which I'm very proud of Sarah Michelle Gellar getting the uh, Netflix button for Scream 2. It's oh, just, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but that also like, oh, might there's... just be micro-targeting us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that is. <laughs> They're like, well, the gays will click this if it's a picture of Sarah Michelle Gellar. No, like my Netflix queue is like, Gilmore Girls starring Melissa McCarthy and Scream 2 starring <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar. I was like, casting is very bizarre. um do you want to tell us what season you would like it to take place in i think we have no choice but to do season three love it um and you want to give us your short pitch on uh 
scream in Sunnydale? How how it unfolds. Okay, so again, <laughs> so we're dealing with something where, you know, by this point, Buffy has, like, stopped, like, three apocalypses already. So, you know, like, a, a couple of queer guys <laughs> running around stabbing people. <laughs> um, is this, I, and I'm taking the scream one killers from this. Okay. So, like, okay. it's, I'm not going to, because we're not going to do that thing where it's, like, it actually has to be secretly Jonathan who's killing people. Or is it just <laughs> literally Billy Loomis is in Sunnydale killing people? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, wow, it's, my, it's my world. Yes. Um, no, so in this one, I think we're going to follow, um, we're actually going to follow, this is going to be a Cordy, this is going to be a Cordy episode. Perfect. Um, <laughs> We're going to focus on her because season three is when she kind of has her little Sydney Prescott light arc because yeah. you've got like, just picture Harmony and like whoever those other people are in the bathroom being the like awful cheerleader and her friend kind of talking oh, yeah. like, it's when she had the falling out with Harmony and Harmony sort of like usurped her yeah, and was, it was kind of after she was outed as dating Xander. I think that's what, caused her downfall <laughs> yeah and then also, she like, fell through yeah her parents ran out of money so she couldn't like paper over xander's flaws with cash anymore exactly. so okay so whereas sydney lost her mom and that's her biggest thing this is cordy lost her family's money and Amazing. so harmony is Love in it. the bathroom being like that cheerleader but being like super nasty but like and then she's overhearing it so cordy's like in the bathroom stall overhearing everything and getting really sad and they're making fun of that she's broke um and then they found out that she has to work at the prom dress store and yeah exactly so they're all very (laughs) yeah so she's like really in her feeling you know again this is an early high school season so the so the so the emotional stakes are a little more like they're up there but like this isn't like you they're know, very like people bed. don't like me they're not like <laughs> what does existence mean in a right, universe <laughs> so we got some really great low stakes season three one-off episode but perfect here where right. we're like cordy's biggest thing is not whatever she did i actually didn't watch angel so i don't really know what happened to her i've heard i hope good things um, <laughs> um uh let's just all take a moment of silence <laughs> i heard you went off to to be an actress and everything just like super worked out yeah, um, it all worked you know, out you know fine. honestly fine. honestly live in ignorance it's blind I, I, that's and the more i like there was a point where i was like oh gotta watch angel and then like the more i started hearing about it the more i'm like maybe i don't watch, it. watch angel and then when you get to the end of season three be like wow i can't believe it got canceled and just leave it there <laughs> oh no um okay great um it's, it's, see, i don't want anyone to come for me seasons four and five are very good it's just if as a cordelia fan it's not yes. worth the trade yes yes <laughs> i mean that's the thing like if you're if you're really like super into like if you're like into juliet and lost it's like hey season four is where it ends gang um, <laughs> or like God. first third of season five and then they just keep living in the 70s um but, um okay so so we've got cordelia and she's been getting these phone calls and she's handling it in her Cordy way where she's beginning these phone calls and she's getting stalked a little bit. And they're, and they're picking off some, the killers have been like picking off some real one-off people. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like poor Scott Hope has gotten it or something. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. Well, someone who we know who we'd be like, oh, God damn it. Um, but, yeah, yeah. you know, but it's, it's not like everybody has to suddenly deal with Willow being gone right, right. Um, it's that girl who said um what was the uh, ambrosia or something she like references <laughs> her in the locker room and you're like oh she's gonna be an important character and she never shows up again she, she shows up in it. this episode <laughs> she does it okay so 
So like people have been spotting Ghostface and then Cordelia kind of comes back into the library fold. Uh, she over, you know, she's like, she's like had it. She like hears Harmony, everybody making fun of how broke she is and whatever, you know, that she's, you know, and then she's getting these phone calls and she's like had it. And so she goes over into the library and she's like, hey, listen, gang, we got to deal with this. And everybody is like literally in the middle of dealing with, I guess like the mayor thing is like escalating still, but they're still like, it's not like game time yet for that. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so they're dealing with that and then um you know and obviously they're like you know hey we should probably deal with like these people who are getting stabbed so right now nobody's like seen Ghostface, but they do know the people are showing up stabbed so they of course start to investigate it right away as a demon thing um and this is like interesting because this is like the one episode where everybody is just totally stumped like there's no demon that's like a bunch of stab wounds and so in the middle of the episode that's when they start to realize like okay this is probably like a, a human being and I guess we should have a game plan of how to deal with that. Cause they really don't get to that as like, how does Buffy deal with a human monster until season six? Yeah. Like they don't actually like have that talk where it's like, I mean a little bit in lie to me, they get to that where there's like, Oh, he was like a bad guy and you have to deal with like the evil that men do. But like when faith stakes a dude. Uh, yes i mean but again we're still dealing with like but i mean faith staking a dude that always kind of like this is where my hot take comes in that always irked <laughs> me because it's this typical i mean you mentioned like uh, we were talking off off podcast we were talking about desperate housewives a little bit they did this too where there was a lot of like oh my god who killed so and so and it was like oh turned out it was a fucking ass <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah and that like it was every time it was like oh my god who killed it was like well probably it was an accident um, yeah, it's it not like, a moral yeah, quandary of like, should I kill someone to save a bunch of other people's lives? It's full on like, I accidentally right. killed somebody. Like, lots of people have done that. <laughs> it's totally, I mean, again, it was one of those things where like with Faith, it was like bound to happen. So I don't like, again, like her staking of like the Jack Plotnik was like not, yeah. um, like or she set out to do it. Um, you know, what happened was like her response yeah. to that was how that escalated. So again, we're kind of dealing with someone who was like literally actively choosing to be a human person using a regular knife to like mm. kill people. Um, and how also, also and how so oblivious is, do you have to be to live in a land of magic and demons and like you could kill people any way you want and you're like, I'm just gonna go to the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, listen, it might be a pretty good plan when you know, I mean, by the time you get to season three and you get to the prom, when everyone's like pretty much like, hey, we never all like we we all have never outright had the conversation where there's supernatural stuff and you've been protecting us, Buffy. But we all know. Yeah, like, yeah, everybody yeah. Else it's like it. it's like when your cousin so comes you do- to, to a family barbecue with their quote unquote roommate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> right, totally. Um, so in this one, this is like a thing where like like the killers obviously are, they're like, it's kind of like a little pre-trio kind of thing where it's like, hey, we know that, you know, Buffy's the only one with any competence in this town to stop evil. Um, and most of the time it's usually like a demon or a vampire or some other thing. And they'll be expecting that. Um, and then nobody is expects like it, it could be like the easiest thing in the world to just like pick up a knife, go to the kitchen, pick up a knife, and just start stabbing <laughs> people. Who's gonna who's gonna suss that? Yeah, out? honestly, the Sunnydale police <laughs> force is so overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> They're overwhelmed slashed in the mayor's pocket. So like I don't really know what like they would do to like again, the mayor at that point was like using a lot of like was pretty like happy to just see people get yeah. lopped off in, in town. Oh my god, Adam, I'm picturing a really good scene of like 
Because you know how, especially once they got, once they introduced the mayor, they would always show him like <laughs> in his office doing something wacky um, right. before he actually, because like he didn't meet Buffy till the end of the season. I feel like there would be a really good scene of like the chief of police of Sunnydale going to see the mayor and telling him about all these stabbings and the For mayor sure. being like, Wow, that's a doozy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right. Well, let me eat this box of spiders now that you yeah. told me that news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so would, God, season three how would you great. how would you fucking great? I love season three. It is. <laughs> how would you have uh Stu and Billy like would they be the new guys at school? Would they be like because you know they did this all the time where they were always there, we just never saw them before. Totally. And I'm sure Billy was like one of the nameless rabble of guys that Cordy was just like, you know, like you're weird. I don't, you know, we dated for like one date and you're being weird. Please leave my life. Um, And then, so that's like a lot of his like, Oh my God, he's like all this stuff. So yeah, I think they'd be new guys. um, Or they just, again, like Buffy traded a lot in like, yeah, you know, we were classmates for four years and you never (laughs) pointed a camera at me until now. Um, And (laughs) so there was a lot of that. I mean, they even like said like, there wasn't, was it, was it retconned that, uh andrew's brother was the yeah the it was retcon guy yeah. like yeah yeah okay right <laughs> so they did a shitload of that where it was like, i actually oh, now i love the idea of like the episode opening maybe with like cordelia on a date with um which one did you want yeah, her to go billy, on a date i think she's on a date with billy i think it's pretty obvious that Stu is just like in billy's pocket he's not yeah else. i i feel like there would be it would be her on a date with Billy and like maybe he's being a creep but the whole date itself gets interrupted by a vampire Buffy saves them and then Cordelia rejects him and that's like yeah. the like before the credits opening ooh, her just it. being ooh. like going ooh. home ooh ooh mama here's what happens <laughs> there, this this takes place post lover's walk so this is like her first date post Xander okay. bullshit okay. and sure she's on this like date and it's flopping, and he's like basically being Xander without any of the positives. <laughs> so, like, she's just very annoyed. And I was like, you know what? I can't do this right now. Um, and so, a lot of this episode is going to be her processing, um, you know, th- that Xander stuff, being like, just like, oh, great, now I'm being stalked by this evil Xander. And her just like completely annoyed, but not taking it seriously. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So then say she goes to the library. How would you, how, what do we think? I feel like she would go into the library and would be a little like reluctant to tell them because she'd be embarrassed. Like she would well, want her she, help. She was also like, I think post lover's walk, not super feeling the vibe of she yeah. was, she was cut adrift because this was like sort of around the wish where she was like, Buffy's the pro you know everybody was she was like blaming everybody at that point so um so I think she's like this was like her first like foray back into that zone um where she's like listen I'm 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 getting harassed I'm getting stalked help me this is you know I I'm mad at everybody still but like I need your help um so they have a little montage where um, they try to find it in the in the books, but it's not. And, and um, so we, then they, Xander, and they arrive at the point Xander and the like, thing this could be a through, and he finds a demon and that's like only made of knives. And Willow's like, okay, but there's like two <laughs> stab wounds, not uh, uh, dozens. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't someone have noticed someone walking around who is made of knives? <laughs> wouldn't that be a lot of clanging? <laughs> A lot of these people have been snuck up on. You can't really like be stealthy and made of. Oh, Xander's like, is there? 
wait, do we have an actual serial killer on our hands? Because if we have an actual serial killer on our hands, I feel like we, we're not equipped to handle that. And Buffy's like, wait, so we're equipped to handle several apocalypses, but not one dude with a knife. And Xander goes, I don't want to break any rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, this is like sort of Buffy's foray into dealing with an incel. Um, which, which again, at that point, she has not gotten to the trio yet. Yeah. So she has not like dealt with that sort of situation. And we saw that, yeah, at first it seems like, mm, all right, she's just gonna, you know, jerk off motion, like deal with these guys. Um, but they end up being kind of secretly pretty deadly. Um, and, uh, because the expectations are lowered. Um, so I think if you get to the situation where another thing is, um, a lot of the clues can keep comically looking like it's the one. <laughs> like the clues keep pointing to like, well, it's a lo- like, and so they, so they, so instead of like a demonology book, like they look up like traits of a serial like so willow does the research like traits of a serial killer and like the traits keep popping and xander keeps trying to blame faith and then faith is like if i wanted to kill a bunch of people i would have just fucking killed a bunch of people and told you (laughs) exactly so i have a good way to get us to the end of it i feel like they'd be doing the research and kept pointing to xander and then we'd have like our end scene at cordelia's house we'd see the gang talking about what's going on buffy would like feel bad and Buffy would be like you know what on the way home I'm gonna check on Cordelia to like talk with her but then we cut to Cordelia's house and it's basically that like Drew Barrymore scene where it's like he won't stop calling her he's asking her what her favorite movie is she's home alone but she is way more annoyed yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like scared. he calls back and she's like oh my god my parents do not have long distance anymore so if you are calling from anywhere outside of the county and then he's like he's like i'll, I'll fucking got you and she's like and she's like honestly 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 i was gonna get a bunch of plastic surgery at the end of high school anyway so do your worst <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, she's like really emotional like like drew barrymore she gets to that emotional drew barrymore place but not because she's scared just because she's like so fucking overwhelmed with life right now she's just oh, like, yeah. she's like literally like i have so much to do right now and i have to get ready for my flop job i can't be dealing with like this as well like please stop calling me i need to get <laughs> she's also like i'm trying to log on to aol instant messenger so if you could stop calling that would be great <laughs> 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 and i feel like she would be dressed like fantastic she yeah, would like cashmere. look really great she'd be wearing like a dress yeah yeah she'd have this like emerald wrap dress on like, it would just it would be stu- it would be ridiculous and, funny. and i feel like once she saw the killer it would be like running around the house and then she'd finally get like scared um and she would see the mask and maybe think it was a demon. And that's why she got like, she would be like, wait, is it a demon? I, I think, um, yeah, I think, I feel I like think that... she also like, because she's finally scared, like she really actually is like, fuck. She calls Buffy's house and Buffy's mom answers mm-hmm. and Buffy's mom's like, she's not here. And Cordelia's like, dude, don't tell her I called. And then hangs up. Like she changes her mind about calling for help. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so i think what we have here is like so they already kind of knew that like okay so so the scoobies like all kind of know that like all right cordy's probably getting attacked so they were not at home for that but they were on their way there so they okay, get yeah. there a little bit late and they see cordy dealing with billy but what they don't expect is Stu behind them and then he kind of like knocks out like I don't know, Xander or someone or Giles. Oh, this is this can be another Giles that's knocked unconscious. He's oh, cleaning yes. his glasses uh, right. so he can look for the other killer and then gets knocked <laughs> unconscious. 
<laughs> Amazing. You have a kind of a homecoming Slayer Fest '98 episode, like mm. um, like uh, where it's Cordy and it's Cordy and Buffy dealing. So it's like it gets narrowed down to Cordy and Buffy. Like I feel like I love if Cordy said, "Like, listen, Buffy, you might be blonde and and you might have superpowers or whatever, but when it comes to a real life serial killer, I'm the final girl." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like at first they would knock on the door. Maybe maybe Giles and Xander would be like, we're going to go check the back. And that's when they both get knocked out um, by Stu. Buffy knocks on the door and Cordelia in like a panic opens the door and punches Buffy because she mm-hmm. thinks it's the killer. Amazing. And then is like, oh, <laughs> what are you doing here? And it's like completely annoyed that Buffy's there, even though Buffy's going to help her. Um, and Buffy, Buffy is just like rubbing her face and kind of gives her a look. Then we see that... Giles and Xander are out by the pool tied up and Cordelia's phone's ringing. But instead, I feel like a really good twist would be Buffy just being like, all right, and just like opens the back door, goes through, the killer goes to stab her. She punches him in the face, pulls off his mask. It's Stu. She unties Giles and Xander, but then Billy's coming in, is in the house and he goes <coughs> to attack Cordy and Willow. But again, but like they both kind of yeah, like I think Willow defend makes themselves the knife because just and me. stab him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my God. no no but the, the yeah. umbrella the umbrella so that the umbrella that uh, sid uses on this so it's like a little like so it's oh, like yeah. a little like it's kind of like a um i always thought it was just such a like fun way to stab someone it's like oh she stabs with an umbrella it's like so great um because willow's thing is like she was like she so everybody else gets not got knocked out earlier and then she got like thrown in this closet and locked in and then everybody's like Ooh, that's, that's <laughs> foreshadowing for season four and then she like busts out she's like i'm not staying in this closet anymore <laughs> and she floats the umbrella and stabs it but she, i feel like because it's because it's buffy and it's willow she's a human and like has to stab him in the leg so he just like falls over and then buffy walks in annoyed and just knocks him out real quick Oh, she does her total like Shelley Duvall flailing moment where she's just like, uh, she doesn't know what she's doing. Cause again, like this is season three, she doesn't have like a hundred percent control right. of the floaty stuff. Um, so everything just kind of zoom and it's like, she like woo randomly. Like she like thinks it's going to get his arm, but it like goes into like his shoulder and like a really like key <laughs> artery. place. <laughs> I think we can just make this a real good comedy episode. <laughs> <laughs> and so Buffy's just annoyed that it's like these two losers from high school. She's annoyed and they it feels like it's over. And then it's like twist. Another third ghost face comes out and it's Cordelia's mom. <laughs> so Buffy punches Cordelia's mom in the face and she's knocked out. But then twist. Another ghost face comes out and it just keeps happening. And we get a montage of Buffy just like beating up random twist on top of twist. And it keeps heightening and heightening and heightening. Eventually it's Anya and then it's Harmony and everybody's knocked out in a pile. And she's like, I can keep doing this or you guys can all stop. And then everybody stops. <laughs> and then everybody wakes up and they had fallen asleep watching Scream. Uh, it was all a it. dream. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks for doing this, Adam. That was great. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, game. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. And now we have with us sci-fi and horror writer and newly minted Scooby. Meg Elison. Yay. Hi, Meg. Hello. Hi. I'm happy to have you on for this. It's your third episode. It's really great to be back, and I'm very excited to be a Scooby. <laughs> um, so what movie have you picked for us for this Halloween spectacular? I chose the all-time classic witchcraft movie, The Craft. Ah, oh, nice. so good. Love it. Gay rights. Do you know which season you want to <laughs> drop it into? Yes, yeah, so I think The Craft belongs in season six. 
Perfect. Oh. Love. Oh. Meg, I'm I'm surprised. I thought you were gonna pick a high school season. I love this. You're throwing <laughs> a wrench in my my idea I had. I love it. <laughs> as as much as they're high school witches, I, I think it's better to put them in the territory of Dark Willow. So that is that's where I've gotta stick it. Yeah, and I don't know that they necessarily have to be um like they could still be in high school. Let's see where where what's your pitch? Where are you where are you going with this? Yeah. Okay, so my idea is I would not keep them in high school because I've been dying for that story to move on ever since the first movie. I was like throwing myself at a wall trying to be the one who got to write the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) So what if uh, the girls from the craft live in Sunnydale? Let's just pretend that that's been Sunnydale all along instead of L.A. (laughs) because they're basically interchangeable. And they are they are now college age, which is they're not all in college. Nancy certainly isn't. Uh, but when Willow gets into the real dark, bad stuff, when she starts going to Rack's house and, and getting into the worst that witchcraft can offer, she doesn't run into Amy or she doesn't de-ratify Amy because Amy's so boring and I don't understand her motivation for anything. <laughs> Instead, she actually finds a badass coven. Oh, uh, I love. Difference. Yeah, they, they, they do the same job of driving her toward her worst nature, but in a better way than Amy. More, yeah, a more compelling dynamic way than just being like, you want to get high? <laughs> exactly. Like, how is that Amy's entire pitch? Like, do you want to get high? And by the way, I'm bad because I'm bad. Yeah. Also, I love that if you spent like a decade or at least half a decade as a rat that like you'd get out and you'd be like, I just want to make this one girl get hot. Like, I would be like, going to Vegas, bitch. Bye. <laughs> exactly. Like, she doesn't even really spend time reconnecting with her life. She has dumb ideals when she comes out of it. She's like, am I still going to prom? First of all, that is not a priority. <laughs> and then when she does throw herself back into her life, she just becomes like a, a leechy, boring, one-dimensional stoner. Yeah. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's uh, see. Where do you want this to open up? Like, what? How how are we beginning our episode? What's our cold open? So the cold open is we see it's almost like the same as the the beginning of the movie The Craft. We see the coven at work. They're casting their circles. They've got their crystals and their sigils because we know the Buffy people love their sigils, mm-hmm, and they're they do. do they're doing magic in some secluded place, and we see them manifest something truly horrible like they are obviously on another level they're like summoning up demons they're making bad things happen and then in the the reveal where we usually see Buffy happen upon the evildoers and like cross her arms and be like okay you guys it's Willow and instead of being like I am the hammer of justice she could be like what's going on in this thread and then we go to the opening credits. Yeah, I would love if she if, if we if we think that she's going to go up to them and stop them. And instead she right. walks up and she says like, oh, you guys decided to use sand instead of ground crystal. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be way better. Yeah, she could come in and be like, oh, I see your amateurs. That's great. Your demons are totally malformed. <laughs> you want a real witch's help or should I just sit over here? I love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, I like that you're combining writing your sequel to the craft with an episode of Buffy and it's I'm already like oh this is great I would watch this <laughs> chestnut checkers my dudes chestnut checkers <laughs> uh, so would so this would be that same episode just without Amy right it would be kind of right. like that okay so right. her and Tara are already broken up Tara and has left her yeah, Tara's left her. She's super sad. And she's also like chafing at her own limitations. Like I love the scene, the bronze, where she and Amy realize that they've run to the edge of their game board. And they say, I wish there was someplace bigger. Mm. A coven could have been Willow's someplace bigger. 
like she could have joined forces with some other truly terrible badass witches and uh, and wreaked more havoc like i don't even love her uh pulling up that demonic temple out of the hillside as her way of, of ending the world i would have liked to have seen you know something a little more elegant or even like she just wanted more and more power. What if like she didn't realize she was ending the world, but she just keeps consuming the world like a like like Galacticus, and eventually it's like Willow. There is no more up from here other than like you start <laughs> consuming no interdimensional power. Like you start converting matter into energy and eating things up like the sun. <laughs> I do, I do love that idea. And you know the the bit that they introduce in season seven where she just sucks power out of the nearest talented person, like that could ultimately be how she puts this coven down. She could be Ooh. like, you know, you guys have gotten me this far, but uh, welcome to the party, Copper Top, and just suck them dry. <laughs> so love let's it. say, let's say that um, the coven is like takes her note, and they're like, wow. And it, let's say we see them, um, like she's hanging out with them, and they're at like. Uh, the magic shop and um, she introduces Buffy to her new friends or whatever. And we can tell that she's being like a little bad girl, but she's not like openly like, like I I think like she's sad because of Tara, but where she's not like openly being like, I'm going to end the world. I think she's just like, I'm just got some new friends and her new friends are like not impressed with Buffy. They're like, Oh, a vampire slayer. That's so cute for you. (laughs) I would, I would love to have, I would love to see Willow have some actual badass friends because Amy doesn't really qualify. And Tara was such a, uh, a sweethearted do-gooder type person. So you could have the girls from the craft actually roll into Giles's shop and like shoplift and steal from him. And like one of them could sit in his lap and be extremely inappropriate. And one could be like, Oh yeah. I would love it too. If two of them make out, and and they're yes. all on edge and she's like oh i'm sorry are you acting like being a lesbian is weird i thought this was your friend <laughs> so wait so i think it would it just be it would be all of them but robin tooney right mm. yeah i like don't that... think we could bring robin tooney into this one it has to yeah. be like the original bitchy threesome and then willow is their fourth i mean you can't yeah. have more than one redhead in a coven anyway yeah true <laughs> that's, that's like a law <laughs> and the other thing is, is i would really love to see an interaction where nev campbell treats xander harris like the the pet monkey boy that he really is <laughs> <laughs> but he would to- he would definitely totally fall for her oh like, yeah for sure yeah, he, would, he would love it <laughs> i would love to if nancy is there and um and um dawn like mumbles to buffy or to like spike or something and says like i i, I don't like this one she's giving me faith vibes <laughs> <laughs> John's entire experience with bad girls has been faith, and Nancy mm-hmm. is faith times a billion. So. <laughs> yes, I would yeah. very much like to see that. I've also uh, part of my my insistence as the writer of this episode <laughs> slash craft sequel movie is that uh, Rochelle makes it out alive because God knows black characters cannot do that on. <laughs> Yeah, plus yeah. we want to leave the door open for Rachel True to just like reoccur and thrive and live her best yeah. life and get a spinoff. Please, could you please have a spinoff? I would really love that. Uh, well, because I, I feel like her and Nev Campbell were always like the... They're, they, I feel like they weren't quite... Like Nancy was definitely like chaotic evil, but they were just right. kind of like neutral. Like Yeah, they yeah. feel like redeemable. Yeah. They totally are. Yes. Yeah. And like, like the, both of them doing magic just wanted to do things to better their own lives. Like they weren't trying to, you know, end the world. And they were teenagers. If I had magical right. powers as a teenager, y'all <laughs> gotta bet I would be doing some like some personal gain <laughs> shit. Are you kidding? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, of course, the first thing you would do is like make yourself prettier and make yeah. your enemies suffer. I mean, that's high school. <laughs> Absolutely. I tried to do that without magical powers. <laughs> 
Didn't Let's say I'm still all. trying to do that at 36. <laughs> like <laughs> those are my goals. <laughs> those are good goals. I love uh, those goals. So I, f- I feel like yes, I love that Dawn would be uncomfortable because she would get faith vibes. Mm. Nancy would still totally be like the leader. So, a question, Meg: Would you have it be that the movie did take place already, and like this is kind of the witches like post all that happening? Yeah, so the movie did take place already in in my estimation. Okay. And of course they lost Robin Tony because she wasn't interested in having them back. And Nancy, after a period of isolation and some appropriate medication, is back on her feet. And uh, uh but the three of them just cannot resist the pull of the power that they once felt. And like maybe they don't have the perfect four anymore, but they've figured some things out on their own, living so close to the hellmouth, essentially using it as a power source. So Ooh, when they it. start courting willow they're like gosh we've been down this road before do we really want to do this again nancy could feel like she's not like sarah she's so biddable like she's such a nerd we're gonna be fine and then it all happens again yeah and i feel like they could totally have a thing being like she's going through a breakup whatever like i don't want a girl that's in a phase and nancy could just be like the beauty of that is she like needs us and honestly guys i don't want to be a bitch here but we need her she's like a big battery (laughs) or whatever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they would obviously be attracted to each other for exactly that reason. Like Nancy would see how powerful Willow's becoming. Willow could be like, these are real deal witches. It's very easy to meld them together. And then replay some of the fabulous drama of the craft when Nancy realizes that Willow's more powerful than she is, that the other girls look to her for leadership. And then have Willow, you know, be even more destructive in her rise to power as she has these people who are close to her and she'll destroy them first. You can actually I... also put Buffy in the uncomfortable position of having to defend Nancy in a fight. <laughs> And probably really hating her. The whole wow. Time. Yeah. Also Ooh, of the position that. of like one of my favorite parts of the dark Willow, like saga was well, twofold. One, I loved Tara looking at Willow in this like new way and like being the only person to see what's really happening. So like if Tara mm-hmm. was to run into them at like a club or like at, you know, the magic shop or something, she would understand that this was way worse than a phase of like new friends and nobody else is going to mm-hmm. see that. But also the like scene where Willow says like, okay, I can't cast a spell on you, but I can cast a spell on myself. And she makes herself strong enough to beat Buffy to death. Like that is one of my favorite scenes. And to see like, if there's a magic, if, if, if the two huge, if like the, the coven and Willow become like angry at each other and go head to head, that's like kind of mm. a stalemate for a little while. And it would be cool to see Buffy, like try to throw down in the mix there and like mess with the calculation because magic in the Buffy world is a little bit like, you know, an RPG where like your points and stats really do matter. Right. Yeah, she would she would be up against a totally different thing. You know, I think about the kind of scrambling they did in that season. Like all of a sudden Anya can mutter a counter spell from some other direction right. or mm-hmm. we we have to overcharge. We have to overclock Giles really bad and almost kill him. <laughs> Uh, but you know with these other witches introduced to the plot it could have been that uh that giles could have they could be the local coven and he could get them on their side and it could be their power that he's carrying around or you know we could have eliminated the 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 cotswolds coven entirely and we could have known those people and known their seer abilities and and they could have been relevant all through season seven what i'm saying is this series should have had more witches yeah honestly (laughs) in in a series where you're desperate for other people with superpowers to help you out to solve the world's problems the world's problems not to 
like call up some coffins, like call up some <laughs> local people who are literally giving themselves superpowers seemed a little short-sighted. Yeah. A little bit. And you know, if Amy can put it together, surely anybody can figure it out that goes to the hell mouth. It's just like I stumbled over the wrong book in Barnes and Noble and now I have like some demons bound to do my will like Solomon. It doesn't seem all that difficult. <laughs> I think I so I feel like this would be like the second act of season two right they would be the characters this would be more right. than one episode yeah this this would this rewrites the end of season six essentially and it, it removes the trio which good fucking riddance honestly <laughs> i mean even if you just this... made the trio into three women let alone letting them be witches let alone casting fruzabalk you've already upgraded it by like hundreds of times <laughs> exactly like this is a thousand percent upgrade like as much as i appreciate misogyny was the real villain all along how about if these guys are just fucking irrelevant how about if the last two seasons of this show are how about different waves of feminism aren't all good and like it would be kind of cool to see like you know willow's like i'm making myself more powerful isn't that like um isn't that good for all women and it's like not right. at the expense of every other person right this is the margaret thatcher problem yeah you have a super powerful woman but at what cost <laughs> i Ooh, love this good that was good man <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love this. I love the idea of Faruza Balk as the Hillary Clinton we have to defend. And like <laughs> Exactly. Like she's nobody's favorite, but god damn it, we have to defend her. <laughs> Meanwhile, Willow's becoming Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely I love this. I love this. I love in this estimation suddenly Buffy's Elizabeth Warren. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard not to see everything through that lens right now. And yes, she is my slayer. There is no word against her. I'm I'm with you on this. <laughs> In every generation. <laughs> every generation the Slayer is born. In every like, generation a Harvard professor is born. She alone right. will have the powers to stop trickle-down economics. <laughs> yeah, she just didn't come into her powers until she was like 70. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> All so, right, so they're at the magic box. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I guess, I guess the episode we're doing is their first episode, right? Yes, yes, we are. So okay. they're at the magic box. They're making Giles super uncomfortable. They're shoplifting. They're making Xander into a trained monkey boy. And then we have to have some kind of aggression followed by detente. So Willow and the Coven have to establish that they are kind of a new power in Sunnydale, but it has to be not so overt that it's immediately going to turn into a fight, but just enough right. that like Giles and Buffy exchange an eyebrow across the across the the floor. Like, did that just happen? Right. What and if it, what if they have an opening in their apartment? Like they have like a, a loft or something at like the downtown Sunnydale area. And Willow's mm -hmm. like, listen, like all, with all that stuff with Tara, it's a lot of baggage. I think I'm going to move out. Like they've got an open room. You know, I'm oh. spending a lot of time with them. I hadn't even considered it, but that is such a good idea. It is. That gives us a lot of, uh, you know, I really loved the photography when they would uh, show Willow and Tara locked up together doing magic and we could return to that. Oh. And Willow could have some really bittersweet moments where, you know, she's like, oh, I did this spell once with Tara. And they're like, well, now you have all of us. And we could really develop like the pathos of how much it means to her to be connected to a group of women. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it, it also creates like a center of power that like, you know how like the mayor's office was at first just kind of like a, a political office and it got like scarier and scarier. Like I would love right. the idea of like a college dorm room style. Like we've got Paisley on the walls sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly just gets more and more sinister and like the fairy lights turn red and stuff like that. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. And also, I would love to hear Anya, like every time she sees this group together and they walk out of the room, she's like, you guys, I have seen this before. Nothing <laughs> good comes of it. <laughs> yes, I also I would love to like hear that. like Anya try to explain 
like Anya and Dawn trying to explain why this is so bad and Dawn's using like the analogy of like like Heathers and Anya's using the analogy of like vengeance demons from the 17th century which took over right. a castle <laughs> and they're the two characters that nobody ever listens to so by the end they're like Cassandra high-fiving with great bitterness like we fucking told you this would happen so do you think it's Buffy that takes everything down or do you think it's like Tara being like a peacenik that like so, she's like I can feel a I can feel like a vibration or yeah, I would really like to see Tara be instrumental in this in the in the same way that she is. She gets to show off her power in just a few episodes and she's actually yeah. quite a powerful witch. So I would love to have had Tara have her Molly Weasley moment where everybody remembers, Ooh. oh yeah, a bitch can fight. Yeah. She never really got that. Like she was always just the sweetheart of the series. And I, I would have loved to have seen her take down another witch in an open duel. So yeah, that should definitely happen. And then it should not just be Buffy because in the end, it's not just Buffy who takes down Willow. And also, God, Fuck Xander Harris. He should not have gotten the climax of that arc. Yeah, the idea that like peace is more powerful than power is like an interesting thing for them to try to do. But Xander's the wrong character. They did it the wrong way. They like I would have loved to see a a big magic battle between like Tara and Willow or like the Coven and Willow and or and and Mm -hmm. Tara and like all of these different sides, like a giant cataclysmic. And then instead of a killing blow, she like has some forgiveness and like that is our that's the message about peace as opposed to being like well if someone's going around killing people the best thing you can do is go on like a hunger strike like that's not a great message in the age of nazis right (laughs) it should be it should be direct peaceful action rather than indirect this is symbolic peaceful action so yeah kick xander harris out to he's getting donuts or something this happens (laughs) (laughs) donuts wait is xander a repeat Buttigieg? He kind of is mere peak. He's just the mayor of a little Indiana city. He shouldn't even be in this race, but here we are, tolerating him anyway. <laughs> so instead, we can have Willow, you know, taking the side of the coven and saying, you know, they're, they're my family and they've been this for me and they've been that for me. And and Will and Buffy and Giles can remind her, like, do you remember where we came from? Do you remember what we've gone through together? Like how how is how are these people your family when we've already been all of this? Yeah, and and, then, and uh, something that's like you know like you you have a coven, like you had a coven, right, right, right. And you know would 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 you want to be this person with Tara watching you? And all of that can be brought to bear. And then ultimately, Willow's healing is uh, is contextualized in this understanding that like everything is connected and everything has to be in balance. And I would love to have had that prefigured in the way that her power has to be broken down. Like you have to remember that you too have to exist in balance and that sitting on top of this can't is not sustainable and it's not good for you or for anything else that you touch. And I would love if if instead of for the season seven opener, Willow's in England being like randomly with these people we never see, it would be so much better if right. she's like, and big sir with Nev Campbell. Right. <laughs> and like Nancy had to go away again and that's a thing that happens. But she and Nev Campbell and Rachel True are like sitting on a big rock with the... The waves crashing in the background and the wind moving over them and being like, man, I remember when we were just wild and crazy kids. <laughs> you can't get anyway. rid of those tattoos, but you can sure warn the youth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, it's time to be part of a bigger thing, and I hope I can count on you guys in the fight to come. <laughs> Neff Campbell's like, wait, I'm having a vision of potential slayers, and then we Ooh. can actually use a character ah! we know. Ooh. Right? Love it. Totally. Totally. Love yeah. it. Okay, wait. So the most important question before we wrap up is, does Tara survive? Mm-hmm. God, I would really, if I'm in charge of this, like I'm running the writer's room, then yeah, I'm running a version where Tara survives. 
to her. Uh, I'm writing a version where Tara survives, but you know who does get shot, and we can come up with a giant thing in another podcast of how he gets shot is Xander. He doesn't <laughs> lose an eye; he shot. gets shot through the eye. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. I didn't want to be that mean because I get a lot of shit for hating on Xander, but honestly, no. Like, I, see, I would feel bad because. I mean, I defend him to a point, but also then everyone else would be too sad. Like, that's always my issue with that is like, I don't want them to be sad. <laughs> so I think it would be interesting to explore Anya's character in like widowhood because mm -hmm. she is such she gives the one of the world's best monologues on grief. Yeah. So we'd like to, I'd like to see her move through her own personal grief and to come to terms with uh, mortality when it's that much closer to her. Yeah, and it always meantime, seemed like she got stuck on the stages of grief at anger and never right. like moved on and it would great be great for a real big loss not just some guy cheated on me or like fuck men to actually right. have like a to evolve from men are trash to like lots of men are trash but there is a way to create like a a model of forgiveness and like a model for women that isn't a dynamic of like hate men it's a dynamic of like i know i have a knowledge of what men do but yes. it doesn't define my existence that men are bad Right. I, I think that would be a very different Anya and an Anya that doesn't go back to being a vengeance demon and like get killed, but not really like all of that is so cheap. I would love to see her through the final season, like dispensing wisdom about, say, Spike or even Giles when he's all of a sudden full of betrayal. And she could say, you know, when Xander was alive, he was really bad at X, Y and Z. But I loved him anyway, because ultimately not just men are trash, but life is trash. Yeah. Like she could, she could have been the sage of the final season. And yeah, Tara should have been in the last battle and she should have been a fucking badass. Oh. All right. Well, Meg, thanks for doing this. <laughs> that was incredible. Thank that was transformative. That's my headcanon. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to think about. All right, cool. We'll talk to you later. And right now with us, we have Buffy writer and executive producer on the upcoming Nevers. You want me to say my name? My name is Jane Espenson. <laughs> Hi, Jane. Hi. <laughs> Jane, I'm so happy to have you back on the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And uh, today is your, this is your third episode, so you're an official Scooby on the podcast now. Oh my God, and I still didn't <laughs> know I was supposed to say my name. <laughs> when will I learn? <laughs> um, so I'm so glad you're here for our Halloween special. Uh, do you want to tell everyone what movie you picked to mash up with Buffy? I picked The Exorcist. I I really love how you immediately were like, no, I want to do The Exorcist. <laughs> well, it's a movie I know fairly well. I've seen it a couple times. And um, recently, well, in the last couple of years, re-listened mm. to the audiobook. Um, oh. so I, I feel like it's just one I, I know. And then, um, in thinking about it for this assignment, I realized it's, it's actually a very good fit. <laughs> I think, like, it, yeah. Once you said that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Cause it feels like it, that could have been an episode, right? Yes, that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's, I don't know how other people approach this, but it's, for me, it was very much not how do I fit Buffy into the movie, but how could the events of this movie be the background for an episode of Buffy? Totally. I mean, we were we were combing through Halloween movies that were possibilities, and it was kind of funny how many fit, and then there was ones that completely don't fit and just not an option. Like, I don't want to see Buffy in a Saw movie or The Purge. <laughs> no, it's it's a different... Uh, it, the values of those are different, you know? Yeah. 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 So... What season would you place 
your your Exorcist Buffy mashup in of Buffy. That's interesting because I both sort of figured Dawn was around and that Buffy was in high school and those aren't. Um, so <laughs> we could do both. That's okay. <laughs> I'm actually gonna say let's put this pre-Dawn. Let's put this in uh, season three. Okay. Okay. That that's funny, Jane, because I was thinking that too. I was like, I wonder if Jane's gonna have it be that Dawn's possessed, but also I feel like this would make a better fit for high school season. Yeah. 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 It 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 is. I'm I just I mean, high school put her in contact with other kids and yeah. Regan being a kid, it just feels like like how she's not gonna encounter Regan in at at Double Meat Palace, you know. Right. Yeah, not in a meaningful way. <laughs> and if like Faith was the one to be possessed, I don't know that we would know the difference. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Ryan, you want to? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to say that this episode opens... Um, in math class and Buffy is staring out the window not paying attention at all to whatever's happening and Willow's trying to get her attention um, (laughs) because the teacher is staring at Buffy (laughs) (laughs) and and Jane where do you yeah what's your like what would be your introduction would this be the a plot or the b plot oh I think it's an a plot I think this is I mean I feel like I can't set anything in season one or two because I wasn't a writer on the show yet that may be a mistake. We may want to move this earlier because I feel like this has a lot in common with an episode like Invisible Girl. Um, mm. This is a troubled girl at her high school uh, whose problem ends up being, oh, it's also kind of like like um, Ted, where you go, oh, the it it looks like Buffy is dealing with someone who is just she's just clashing with and she is attributing something supernatural uh when in fact it is a a just a troubled person um and and that's that's sort of the shape of it so it may be a little earlier than season three and it could definitely start in math class and i think the 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 opening i envision i think that that your opening works perfectly fine um the thing that the teacher doesn't see is that Buffy is looking out the window at, at where, you know, there's a girl who's sitting apart from her class that has chosen to, you know, have class outside today. And that girl's head is spinning or, or <laughs> is dribbling something green or, or there are marks rising on her arm or there is something going on. She's with like biting girl. her nails, but she bites them so much that they're actually, there's like blood coming out. <laughs> Yeah, something just just a little something classic from the film where where we go, oh, that looks like a sign of demonic possession. We've seen that before. Um, oh, okay, I see what this episode's going to be. This is going to be Buffy takes on demonic possession. Well, how does that work? In, you know, how does an exorcist type story work in the Buffy world? Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> So say she's looking out there, she sees this girl's head spin, like this girl's turning back and forth and eventually the head spins all the way around and she blinks mm-hmm. like she's not sure if she like saw it or not. Right. So we get a little like, a little like playful time there of Buffy doubting herself. Yes, exactly. I think that's exactly what it should be. I actually think that it should be shot in such a way that someone like passes between her and the, and the, between 
Buffy and the girl between the camera and the girl. Um, mm. So that there's, so you just missed that crucial moment when the neck went all the way around. Did it really happen? Uh, you know, maybe it's Willow waving her hand in front of her face. That's the thing that comes between it. Um, because I think you want to keep it very ambiguous for, because of where the story is going as to whether what she saw was real or not. And I think Willow gets her attention because like the teacher's asking a question and Buffy spouts mm-hmm. out like the Pythagorean theorem or something that's not applicable to what's happening on the board. And everybody laughs and then like it, it ends so that she has time. She can say to Willow like, hey, um, I think I just saw something super weird or like I think I'm seeing things. Works Willow for me. can be like, <laughs> what did you see? <laughs> yeah. And the nice thing about our show is that uh, people on our show don't go, you're crazy, Buffy. They go, okay, what was it? How do we kill it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's really accurate. Um, now I'm just excited. I'm like, oh, when's Cordelia going to come in? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't broken this episode scene by scene. <laughs> I don't have every beat of this. <laughs> yeah, Ian, if you want Cordelia to come in, that's your job. <laughs> I, know, that's, I know, my brain is like, when can I bring her into this? <laughs> well, let's say they, they're leaving the they're leaving the classroom, right? And Buffy's like, I don't know, maybe I just saw something, but it seems like her head was a little twisty turny. And they bump into Cordelia and Harmony, and um, Cordelia's like, "Are you making up words? God, you're so weird," or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Cordelia also would be put off by New Girl Reagan. Like she would be like, oh, she's so weird. And she like wouldn't like her because I think I don't in The Exorcist, I don't know that we get that much of her pre-possessed, but I, I would assume she'd be, like you said, Jane, more like a Marcy type character where she like is to herself, is like kind of like a loner teen. Yes, I think that's I think exactly. I was thinking the exact same thing that Cordy would have already you know, the way a, a lioness detects the lame gazelle. She would have already marked this girl as a weakling. As, yeah, as, I feel like you know. Buffy asks her who she is, and Cordelia's like, oh, that girl, Reagan? Oh, my God, she's super weird. I had an art class with her once, and she just kept painting all black, all black paintings. There's, like, nothing there. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think I think that feels very Cordy-like. And, and I was thinking, too, that this is Reagan. But I'm thinking now, you let me know if this is within the rules of the mashup uh community um that this is reagan at 15 or 16 this is reagan who went through the events of the exorcist oh i like that and i talked with doug petrie who is also a, a writer on buffy of course who i'm now working with on the nevers and was talking with him about this and he he reminded me that at the end of the movie they say reagan will remember none of this um and this is okay. So that Reagan theoretically would go on and, you know, go to high school right. or mom's an actress. She could be moving to California. Um, and uh, what, what happens in Reagan's life afterwards? Does, does living through that trauma, even if you don't remember it, even if it's been suppressed, what mark does it leave on your psyche? And I think that's, that's the heart of, the story that's the heart of the question this episode would address Ooh, you must be a tv writer jane this is good. <laughs> yeah i feel like the the thing we could do is like buffy can try to like sidle up to her and try to get to know her just to make sure nothing's going on and then she mm-hmm. realizes that like 
something is going on and it she doesn't think it's supernatural and instead of it being because you know we, we have episodes like with kathy where she is like adversarial with someone or ted that ends up being supernatural what if right. she was trying to help somebody that ends up being supernatural like the problems go on deeper than she thought she was getting herself into you know yes you can do that or you can do the reverse you can do in in every aspect, this looks as though, hey, that demon didn't really get out. That de- or the demon is back, or the demon was submerged all this time. Oh yeah. And then you, do, in more invisible girl style of, you know, well, no, there may not be an episode that exactly follows this formula where you go, oh, it's more like fear itself, <laughs> where you go, uh, uh, oh, what we thought was a big scary demon in her is just. The, the the apparently supernatural effects of of trying to just go on without grappling with your trauma uh and you yeah. know where, where we end up is like like there can be terrible manifestations of just suppressing your your past um and and terrible things that have happened to you um but that's it, but it's not actually a demon her head actually didn't go all the way around it, it's an it, emotional it's scooby-doo the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, could do, you could do that. And then, you know, in the Buffy way, they're probably, she, she does have to kill a thing, slay a thing, deal, grapple with something supernatural. So there may be a twist at the end about like, hey, the demon wasn't in her, but it's at the door now. You know? <laughs> I was just thinking of, um, oh God, I can't remember. I should be better at this. I can't remember the, the thing they call it. I think it's a word that you guys made up, I think. Um, when Buffy comes back from the dead and there's like that demon, like ghost that just kind of like went along. Oh, oh the, like, um, came with hitchhiker. Her. Yes. Yes. It, it could be something yeah. like that, right? It could be, it could be, you know, that there, that the, the demon has been lurking. It's not insider, it's outsider, but it's been, it's, you know, transparent Around. in the air waiting for her to, to crack and, um, and, and it doesn't actually have to do anything because she's going to make herself vulnerable to it reinvading her. Um, and like until, until Buffy tells her you're okay, um, she's in danger. And to, until, until Buffy says it's all right to remember what happened to you. Ooh. That's what it has Ooh. to be. It has to be. It's all right to remember. Ooh, I like that. So to get all this exposition out, let's have, say, Buffy goes, like, sidles up to this girl who doesn't have any friends, and she's, like, super weirded out by Buffy doing that. But Willow is a little bit more relatable to her, so maybe that's, like, their connection. And is like, hey, do you want to come to the library? Like, we're going to hang out and study if you want to. And Reagan's like, a little put off by Buffy, and then Willow's like, no, it's great. Like, I, I'm really good at, uh, say, they have... Uh, Reagan's holding a social studies book and she'll be like, I'm really good with social studies. I could help you pass that, you know, final coming up. And Reagan like reluctantly agrees to go along with them so that we can get Reagan them. Says, like, I'm not in together. social studies. I picked up this book in the hallway. It's someone else's. <laughs> like, make it, make it hard. <laughs> um, I think that's cool. They can try to befriend her. I, it also feels to me like, like, uh, 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 this was a case that was covered in the newspaper. Um, and oh, and ooh. let Willow do a little research. The 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 girl um, isn't Reagan's not forthcoming, um, and they have to figure out. Oh my God! You know who this girl is? This girl got exercised. Xander can think that means that she took aerobics. <laughs> 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 
but they <laughs> they make clear what it is. Um, Giles would have opinions on that about yeah. uh, you know the you know the church does more harm than good. It's usually not really dealing with demons. It's usually dealing with psychological, but, Oh, Hey, this seems to have actually been a demon. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And you could have Willow who's like, you know, going to do some research can be like, yeah, the problem with church-based exorcisms is that they don't know all of the stuff about magic that we know. So they end up just taking the demon out, but they don't usually kill or get rid of the demon. They just take it out and leave it next to them. That's true. And I, I, I feel like that would be a very Buffy thing where it's like Willow kind of solves it in the beginning, but we don't get back to that mm-hmm. till like we're like, oh, right. That was that was the solution the whole time. Right. Yeah, that is a that is a, you've, you're on to our little tricks. Um, <laughs> you, All it you, took you, was watching every episode 5000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I bet it's the cafeteria lady poisoning us in. Um, oh, yeah. In earshot. Cafeteria lady is going to take us all out. Is that what it was? Or, yeah, it was exactly. Yeah, or am I mixing two things up? But anyway, no, it was right. the cafeteria right. lady. <laughs> I would love to yeah. the yeah. Uh, them explaining to Xander that the demon was taken out, and maybe it's following her around like later in the episode. And Xander's like, like a Pikachu, and they're like, yeah, if a Pikachu is going to eat your whole family and take <laughs> over your mm-hmm. face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like so. I, I feel like after school, maybe Willow and Buffy would try to go to Reagan's house. And I feel like the atmosphere would be not unlike um, Amy's house when they go to visit mm-hmm. her when her mom's like possessed her, uh, where it's like really dreary and they don't they don't quite know if it's just like a bad home life or like an evil demon thing. That's yeah. interesting. Line. Now, of course, because we already did that with Amy, you, you, my instinct is to what's what's an interesting contrast that a mom who's an actress is interesting because it suggests, um, you know, a mom who's maybe makes a really fun household. She, she's, she wants to entertain her daughter's friends. Her daughter has never had a lot of friends and maybe we get sort of a trying too hard vibe off her. Um, I mean, this is a mom who, who has encouraged her daughter to suppress the memory because she wants her daughter to have a normal life. She wants her to forget. She, her fear is that the daughter will remember, um, which so that, so she's going the exact wrong direction. So, Ooh, yeah. you know, what what would we do in that household to show this is a mom? And, of course, it will come across wrong. It will come across like, hey, I think the mom's in league with the demon in the girl. Right. Um, why would What kind of mom offers her kid? Maybe she traded it for fame. Mom just landed a big oh, job yeah. on that, that soap Ooh. that shoots, you know. And the mom, maybe the mom, like, like it comes out that the mom is making her eat something really weird, but later it's just that the mom is like on a very strict diet and is doing meal prep or whatever. Right. She's like on her TV planning, but it looks like, like, oh, she's putting together all those, like, it looks like a potion, but in fact, it's just like weird Mm -hmm. health food. It's just (laughs) kale. So I just, I just, I just realized how we can bring Cordelia back into it. Cordelia finds out Reagan's mom got cast on the soap opera, and then Cordelia is immediately a hundred times more invested. She's in Reagan's best friend, all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She, Megan, would become a lot more appealing. Oh my God, her mom was in blah. Her mom's going to be in blah. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And Cordelia wants is like 
asked Jane Raiden about her mom is always like, oh my God, like you should bring your mom over or something <laughs> like that. I, mm-hmm. I feel like then she would, and Buffy and Willow would be like, why are you suddenly helping? And she'd be like, no reason. And they can right. just say to Cordelia, like, are you bringing your mom? And she's like, ew, no. <laughs> right, right. My mom's not famous. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we get to the... How do we get to the uh, end of them realizing there is a demon? She's not possessed, but the demon is there. I think I feel like Giles would be doing research. I think that at some point they start dealing with like, you know, Reagan has talked about that, you know, where they, they know that there's some kind of like history of the exorcism or whatever. And they like maybe they start hanging out with her and actually becoming a little bit friendly with her and like maybe like or at least like a, a closer relationship with her. And then eventually it's sort of we forget that they're supposed to be chasing some supernatural thing. So maybe there's like another, like something pops up, like um, another sort of problem. And we, we, the, the whole demon thing for a second, like goes out of our mind and then it all clashes mm-hmm. together with some kind of like, you know, demonic scream or blood out of the wall or some, like, I'm trying to think what a demon outside of you Ooh, would do, yeah. like push things over. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's super late in the story when that happens. Cause I think the fun thing would be, the fun and games of the stuff that her memory is manifesting that's actually explicable um, but appears scary in the moment. Hives are rising on her skin and she maybe she does that spider walk scary thing that I think is actually Ooh. cut from the movie, but you can find it online. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's just because she's a gymnast. Um, and it's, you know, just <laughs> stuff... Um, you know stuff that that appears terrifying in the moment but is all utterly explicable in hindsight and then the important thing is going to be sort of what what something in Buffy's own personal journey has to make it possible for her to have the revelation of oh hey <laughs> you're you are subconsciously acting out your trauma because it's resurfacing because you suppressed this memory um you're fine you can remember and the girl crying in her arms. And at that moment, like everything seems like it's fine. The wind whips up and the doors all close and the light goes red and the blood bursts out of the wall and we go and and the demon voice says like, I'm actually here. It's not Oh, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't (laughs) in you, but it was waiting for its way in. All right. And, 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 and the catharsis of, of, you know, maybe Buffy, you know, Buffy, solid, you know, with Willow's help, they make the demon solid and Buffy can poof it, stab it, slash it, yeah. exercise it, throw it into the void, kick it into the void back to back to actually where it goes and doesn't do it. Tells oh, the girl, yeah, has what, if, do it. what if Buffy's like smashing oh. the the de- the corporealized demon's head into like a wooden table or something, being like, "You can be a demon, but I draw the line at kids," and like throws it, and Willow's like, "It's okay to be a murderous demon." That's pretty good, but I like that. Yeah, I feel like she's got to let Reagan do it. This is one time yeah. when Buffy doesn't get the win, and it's not. That's obviously the right solution for Reagan, who gets to actually grapple with the thing she's been told over and over didn't really happen. Yeah. Now she gets to put her hands on it. But of course, Buffy should be on a personal journey where Buffy giving up the kill is exactly the right thing that Buffy needed to do in that moment. Buffy needs to, you know, uh, uh, 
let other people save themselves a little more. Maybe she, maybe we do a little savior complex with her of her feeling like the world's on my shoulder. I have to save everyone. And at the end going like, no, sometimes it's still my responsibility, but I get to let other people save themselves. What if, what if it's standing by like, like the demon, the paralyzed demon is standing over like a, like a, 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 ba- a banister or something. And Buffy is about like, it's obvious that it could be pushed. Like it looks pretty precarious. And Buffy looks at Reagan mm-hmm. and Reagan looks at Buffy and then Reagan goes after you. And Reagan runs up and pushes the thing over whatever banister. Yeah, like, give her the yeah. final. Who we know is a gymnast. Ha. Uh, <laughs> falls over the banister, kicks the thing in the chest. Willow makes a void for it to fall into. So it doesn't Ooh. just land on the, on the ground floor <laughs> actually yeah. lands in so hell. Wait, so I feel like now that you're saying this, this would be a good post faith accidentally killing the deputy mayor episode. Like, so then Buffy's learning. She can't save everyone. Sometimes people have to save, like, you know, yeah. helping her with faith kind of. It also so needs my, to be late enough for Willow to have some magic. Yeah. True. I was going to say, so because Willow wouldn't have like full magic, I feel like it would be Willow, Cordelia and Buffy that were there with Reagan. But then Giles somehow figures out, mm. somehow through his research, it's like last minute, kind of like you said in Fear Itself, where he's like, wait, I know what this is. Mm-hmm. He comes in with his spell book and him and Willow like together do it as the mom's like freaking out saying they can't because she's afraid it'll like repossess her daughter. Yes, because you know what we need that we don't have yet is that while Buffy is having the emotional scene with Reagan telling her you're fine. It's all right to remember. There's not really a demon. You're manifesting these things yourself. Giles should be at his apartment looking at a book going, oh my God, (laughs) it's really actually here. Willow, you and me have to drive in the car very, very fast to get to Buffy before the demon actually shows up um, and and get one of our lovely, will they get there in time? Situation. Totally, and then we we so also then get I, to see Giles' car. I love whenever we see Giles' car. Uh, yeah i I wrote a couple different. I, I wrote only one. I think in Giles's car, I wrote a spike. And Giles are hurrying on the way to do something in Giles in in Giles's car. I think that was when um, Giles was a demon. Um, oh yeah, in a new man. And I wrote the Anya and Willow trying to go somewhere very fast in the car with oh, Anya yeah. driving for the first time um, in um, Triangle. So I love writing the two people in a car bickering as they're trying to get somewhere very fast. And one of them doesn't know how to drive. The funny you get in the scenes tends to be about ultimate driving machine, my ass. Uh, this car is not going very fast. I must have written one with oh, Buffy yeah. and Giles in a car too. Because I remember Buffy saying ultimate driving machine my ass about a BMW at some point. Um, and uh, so I, you get the humor because they are so focused on getting there that the one funny thing they can talk about is how they're not getting there fast enough to keep your, keep your tension up. You don't want to undercut your tension. I think so. Wait, so I think we could add in a little. So, so if Willow and Xander are with Giles, then I would say Cordelia was with Buffy and maybe Cordelia Cordelia's trying to hold the mom back because the mom's insisting they need to stop. And Cordelia is oh. the one that has to be like, you know, because at this point they think the mom might be evil still. So Cordelia is the one that has to like, is preoccupying the mom while Buffy's talking to Reagan. And then once the demon's like there on their like balcony above their steps, the mom's like freaking out. And Cordelia is the one that has to like, be like, get a hold of yourself. That's really good. That That's really good because Cordelia's obsession with the mom then pays off and the it's it's it would be i think that cordelia in fact everyone still thinks oh there's not really anything demonic here 
Fatsy yeah. has to go talk to Reagan without her mom, because her mom is running interference to keep Reagan from remembering. Um, you got to keep your the mom down here so I can get Reagan to her non demonic uh, catharsis. Um, yeah. So Cordy is downstairs saying, and then tell me more about Max Vonsino or whatever. Like, <laughs> Cordy is like trying to engage in show business talk. Maybe Cordy even has to do a thing like, like, like the woman is in very big danger of leaving. So Cordy has to do like, I'm going to do a dramatic reading from, from a soap opera. That's my favorite scene in a soap opera. That's going to be my audition piece when I try out for it. And like Cordy having to do something ridiculous to keep the mom in the room. And she then pretends to die. And we, we as the audience don't know that's what she's doing. And then all of a sudden she, she like pops up and she's like, was that good? <laughs> Some, something in that arena of, of her. But what I'm thinking is that like, Cordy the whole time thinks that that Buffy is up there just leading the girl through her regular psychological catharsis. But of course, eventually the walls start bleeding and the and the lights start <laughs> flashing on and off. At what point does Cordy go, okay, this is not normal anymore. Let's get out of the house versus just continuing to try to run the interference. She has determined she is going to do hell or high, high water. Uh, there's some fun there yeah and then whatever point she realizes that it actually is a demon she can just look at willow and buffy and under her breath be like you guys ruin everything yes yes, yes. there should definitely be a thing where like cordy thinks she's gonna get a part in the in actress mom's next movie um and feel she's been robbed yeah that's so cool. i feel like I feel like after after they kick that demon into the the dimensional porthole that Giles and Willow open, I imagine there being a lot of wind. Everything's blowing around the room until the portal closes. I feel like the way, and I, I don't know if you would read Jane. I feel like the way they would you would wrap this up with also getting Reagan out is that the mom would then be mad at them and kind of blame them and be like, "We are leaving town again. Like we're moving." Mm-hmm. And that would be like the end of the episode is like Reagan saying bye to like the Scoobies. Yeah, well, we remember Mom just got that part in the soap opera. They've got to move to L.A. <laughs> True. So yes. they, they're already they're already heading out. Um, I've got a feeling Mom is oblivious to have anything having happened, um, oh. and to anything demonic having happened. She may know that her daughter now remembers, and mm. she's gonna um, and she's sorry that she that she thought the right solution was for her not to remember, or she may be entirely oblivious of the whole thing. I feel like that's, uh, that's a, let's ask Joss what the right answer is. But <laughs> he's not here. <laughs> I trust, I trust you to make the right call though. Jay. Maybe we, um, maybe we trust Reagan and we have Buffy say like, if it's up to you when you want to talk to your mom about all of this, but it's like good that you yeah. know, and I'll always be here for you. If you that's need great. to call. <laughs> so mom is still oblivious when they leave. And Buffy is like, you know, some moms are, when they are let in on what's going on with us, some moms are excellent guides as toward our adult life. Some moms are terrible. (laughs) Your mom's an actress. She's probably terrible. (laughs) Or she could word it in a way about parents and we could, as an audience, know that she's talking about Joyce and her dad. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and depending on where sh- where this what season this is in, yeah. I see now why you wanted to determine that at the very top, what her relationship with Joyce is. Um, yeah. Is Joyce someone she is still not letting in on things, or is Joyce in on it? Um, uh, that would give her a very very different viewpoint on whether you let your parents in on things or not. Mm. 
Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. And, and if it's early on, as we were saying, I mean, there is something very poignant in Buffy saying, like, we deal with things today as kids that our parents can't contemplate. Um, boy, this is so much more true now than it was then, but it was already starting <laughs> to be true. Like, yeah. sometimes for their own protection, we can't tell them everything we're going through. <laughs> no. We have to deal with it ourselves. It's so good because it's such a reversal. It, yeah. Yeah. Like, like if our parents knew what we were really going through, they'd never let us leave the, the home. Yeah. Jane, Jane, that was so good. Here, I'm Perfect. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> and then, thank you. And then Xander says, do you guys want to come over and rent a scary movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's something. Or, or oh, you do some running gag with Xander's hungry, and he keeps not getting his food because they have to go deal with the thing. And you do like like a like an eating pea soup at the end, and like you get some I don't know some funny. <laughs> he's like, you get like a shawarma yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is very cool. And big credit to uh, Doug Petrie, for, who who really came up with the notion of uh, of this is a girl who who needs to remember and hasn't been allowed to remember. I I think that's that sounds exactly right for for the Buffy. Yeah. You know, there's a there's yeah. a there's a warm and important lesson at the core of it, and I I, I think that's right. I love that, Jane, and I love that you like did a little team up phone a friend for. I figured this. it was legit because he was a you know an original Buffy writer. I wasn't going outside. I love I love that I managed to con my way into collaborating on an, a Buffy plot with two of its writers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> we can update our resumes now, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, Jane, thank you so much for doing this. I always love having you on. Thank and you. Uh, yeah. This much All fun. right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. We did it! I would like to say to the audience, please take all your personal belongings with you. Do not hesitate to leave the theater in an orderly fashion. We have another crowd coming in after you. (laughs) Don't leave your popcorn on the floor, you assholes. Throw it away. (laughs) If you slip into another episode, we're going to know and we're going to boot you out. You have to pay full (laughs) ticket price. That was really fun. I have to say thank you to all of our guests. I mean, every single one of you brought it. Jane Espenson was obviously a dream come true for me. But I the fact that I got to speak to each of these people was a joy. I, I This was my favorite episode I've recorded of anything in a long time. Oh, and it only took us, what, two weeks to record all of it? <laughs> and uh, three weeks of planning. So, you know, good things come to those who wait. I'm like Jenna Maroney with a nosebleed right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, before we go, I did just want to individually thank each of our guests and let you know where you can find them. Um, So you can find Adam at at the Adam Sass. Thank you, Adam. You can find Jane at Jane Espenson. Thank you so much, Jane. You are an icon. You can find uh, Madeline Davies at Madeline underscore Ray. You can find Meg at at Meg Elison. And you can find Joshua Conkle at at Joshua Conkle. And if you like SlayerFest98, you can follow us at SlayerFestX98 on all social platforms. And you subscribe to our Patreon, which is also SlayerFest98. If you like us, um, it would be much appreciated. And if you also like us, you can rate us on other podcast platforms. Uh, yeah, if you want to look up the Lost episode, you're an adult. You know how to do that. It's the Lost <laughs> episode. I'm Ryan Houlihan. There's some Buffy content over there. There's a bunch of really good shows. I do this for about an hour every week and a much more long form version but it's uh there's a lot less variety but a lot more detail so if you want to check that out um episodes are not 
uh, coming out on any scheduled basis. But if you subscribe, you'll be surprised when they pop up. Uh, and you can find me at, at Ryan Hulhan on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else. Cool. Thanks for thanks for doing this with me, Ryan. This is a lot of fun. This was a blast. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween.